Hello, everybody. Welcome to Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts Show. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm going to try and keep this show under an hour. That's the goal. But there's a lot to talk about. We've got UFC 235 turmoil, a show this weekend, um, a couple interesting news stories, couple obituaries you know uh sadly you had you know luke perry king kong bundy keith flint all passing in the last several days uh due to different reasons i uh watched king kong bundy quite a bit as a kid growing up uh he had the wrestlemania two main event with hogan with the the blue steel cage then Keith Flint was a guy in a group called The Prodigy, who I was pretty much obsessed with during uh, my high school years, my teen years. Um, like at one point, I think I even had like a VHS tape I bought maybe at like a small local independent record store. And it was like their music videos, but you couldn't even get it in the States because they were bigger in Europe back then earlier in the day that was like pre-firestarter pre-fat of the land that album um i mean i i was listening to prodigy experience their their first album um but anyway um yeah i guess those are the obituaries (laughs) those two guys luke perry didn't really see much in 90210 was not really my thing i was more uh probably watching WWE, WCW, ECW back then in those days. Not a lot of 90210 for me. Uh, But a wrestling connection with Luke Perry, his son is a pro wrestler, Jungle Boy. Um, So he was apparently a a pro wrestling fan. So uh, there you go. There uh, is an interesting way to start a MMA podcast with the death of three people in about three days that didn't have anything to do with MMA, but, uh, RIP, uh, condolences to their families, fans, friends, whoever, um, you know, it's a bummer when, uh, people die too soon. Uh, moving along this past weekend, we had UFC 235 main event in, Las Vegas, Nevada at the T-Mobile Arena on March 2nd was John Jones versus Anthony Smith. This fight went the way a lot of people thought it would. Jones defeated Smith by unanimous decision. 48-44, 48-44, and 48-44. Weird scorecards. Um, Jones had a two-point deduction penalty for kneeing Smith when he was a downed opponent. Um could have been DQ'd if Smith was unable to continue. Um, I think Jones technically would have lost by disqualification and lost the championship. But Smith said he was okay, kept on fighting, and essentially got his ass whooped for for five rounds. He had very little offense, minimal output whatsoever. Just kept getting beat up. He showed some durability, but this was not a competitive fight at all. Uh, kind of boring, won't really re- be remembered as 
much of a classic fight or super noteworthy, except that Jones threw a clearly illegal knee. Um, again, you've got the issues between different states and different rules. Uh, unified rules of MMA aren't really unified. Jones last fought in California, um, where to be a grounded opponent, you have to have two hands on, on the mat. In Nevada, it's one hand on the mat. Smith was kind of crouching down, had one hand on the mat, and Jones threw a knee, and uh, that's illegal in Nevada. However, in California, it's not. Um, so that that's still an issue. Every state's got to have the same rules. It, it, it's crazy. Um, it's hard for fighters. It's hard for fans. I think... Nevada has instant replay as well because they went to instant replay in one of the undercard fights. Um, the rules are a mess. They all need to be the same in every state, and they should fix that promptly. Uh, Jones' next opponent may be Tiago Santos is the name. Uh, you're hearing the most right now. He's probably the top light heavyweight contender. Still Daniel Cormier. And Alexander Gustafson are ranked ahead of uh, Tiago Santos at this point, but they've already fought Jones a couple times and both lost twice. So it, it looks like probably Tiago Santos next for Jones, unless he decides he wants to go up to heavyweight or something, which is always possible. But right now, Santos looks next in line. Anthony Smith, um, I mean, he hung in there. He hung in there for five rounds. He was never close to winning and never did much damage to Jones at all, but showed some durability and he could kind of, you know, take a beating and hang in there. Um, I don't know if you would say his stock went up with this performance because he didn't get finished. I mean, Jones is coming off the finish of Gus and Cormier. Uh, Smith lasted five rounds, but I didn't really feel like Jones went for the finish in this fight either. He was just, you know, happy to be in there outpointing Smith the whole time so Smith is still you know a top five guy he'd love to fight Jones again he said um so time time will tell with Smith he would obviously need a win or two to get back at Jones and they need to be convincing over top guys and I'm not sure that Anthony Smith is that that level of fighter in the semi-main event, Kamaro Usman defeated Tyron Woodley. Unanimous decision, 50-44, 50-44, and 50-45. This fight was even more one-sided than that. There were a couple of rounds that should have been scored 10-8 for Usman, and it, two judges gave him one 10-8, and the third judge didn't give him any 10-8s. Um, I thought he had at least two. Usman dominated this fight. Um... Woodley was coming into this being called like second best welterweight of all time, successfully defended the welterweight championship several times, um, was coming off that big Darren Till win where he just destroyed Till. And Usman came into this, you know, a lot of people weren't even saying he was the top contender. They were saying Kobe Covington should have got the shot. And he just dismantled Woodley. Um, great grappling, great wrestling. Great pressure. Woodley was always up against the cage. Um, and Usman was going for takedowns. He got a couple takedowns. Um, even striking on the feet. Usman outpointed Woodley there as well. Um, this was not a close fight. 
I don't, I don't know if Woodley suddenly got old. He's almost 37. If he was injured or if Usman's just that good. Uh, it's probably a combination of all of that. But this was an impressive, impressive performance by Usman, even though he didn't get the finish. It was just like he was never in danger. Um, I mean, he had Woodley mounted at one point. It was it was impressive because Woodley's pretty good everywhere, man. Nobody really takes him down and outgrapples him. It, it was an impressive, impressive win by Usman. Um, I believe he's the first ever African um, native-born African fighter. He's from Nigeria to become a UFC champion. Uh, so kind of a historic win there. Post-fight, he had his daughter in the octagon. It was kind of a happy moment. Um, this wasn't the most exciting fight, but it was one of the more impressive title uh, match performances you'll you'll ever see. He, he looked really, really good. Um, the question is, who's next for Usman? And there, there's two guys that, that obviously would jump out to you right now. One is named Kobe Covington. Uh, he's trying to make the welterweight division great again. He did a phenomenal job of promoting himself over the weekend. He showed up to Usman's uh, like public workout session with a megaphone and was yelling at him. Got a little press there. Then on his own Instagram live feed, he found Dana White in a casino. He was playing blackjack. He showed up with his camera and was asking why he didn't get the title shot. And White yelled at him to shut his phone off. Uh, and then he got five minutes with White, and he was cage side at the show. Um, they showed him in the audience several times, and it looks like they were building towards Covington getting the next shot. Then the next day, it looked like he was in a line at a buffet in a casino, and Usman and everyone's favorite promoter, manager, Ali Abdelaziz confronted him. They started yelling at him. Abdelaziz looked like he threw a punch. He might have hit some guy who was waiting in line for the buffet. Um, so Covington put in his work over the weekend and got his name out there again. And and looks like there, there's a, a potential fight there for him. Um against Usman next for the, for the welterweight championship. And, they, and that fight would make sense. Um, Woodley is going to be left out in the cold here for a while. I, I don't know at 37 with the rap career and the TMZ thing, how, how much his heart's into it and how much longer he wants to do it. He is getting older. He's been in the game a while. Um, and he's going to need a couple wins to get back to the title shot with, you know, Covington and Askren and, ahead of him in line. Um, so it, it's going to be hard. And, and Woodley's not a company favorite either. So um, kind of a tough loss for Woodley here. Prior to that, we did have Ben Askren defeating Robbie Lawler by technical submission. It was a bulldog choke at 320 of the first. This fight was actually awesome. <laughs> It was exciting. You know, you've got Asker making his UFC debut against Robbie Lawler, who's still a, a top 10 welterweight, even though he's a little bit past his prime here and hadn't looked good in, in a little bit. But essentially, 
Askren got a hold of Lawler early, and Lawler like managed to pick Askren up in almost like a torture rack, if you know Lex Luger, and then like slammed Askren on his head. It was like kind of like a Death Valley driver a little bit. He just plopped him on his head. And Askren was was stunned and took a bunch of shots on the ground, fists, elbows, and was bleeding everywhere. Managed to get to his feet. It could have been stopped. He was staggering around, taking shots. Then he was able to get his wits about him and was able to, you know, grapple Askren, get a hold of him, get him to the ground. And then they were scrambling a little bit and Lawler's trying to get to his feet. Askren gets his bulldog choke on him and Lawler has his hand on Askren's head. I think it would have been his right hand. And then his right hand kind of falls off Askren's head and falls to the mat. Looks like it went totally limp. Looked like he was out cold. The ref was Herb Dean, if memory serves me. Dean asked him if he was all right. He didn't really respond. And Dean stopped the fight. Lawler then immediately stands up and asks, what, like, what happened? Why'd you stop the fight? I wasn't out. I'm fine. Um, not happy with the decision initially. After, you know, 10, 15 seconds, he kind of calmed down and just accepted it. It was actually impressive sportsmanship. Um, Askren claims he thinks Lawler was out. It might have only been for a second, but he was out. His arm went limp. That's not a natural motion. Um and it did look like his arm went limp. I get why Dean made the decision he did. Um, at the same time, Lawler appeared to be okay. It's a weird one. I mean, it's possible Lawler went out for a split second. And if that happens in a fight, the ref can end the fight. Because, um, I mean, it, it was essentially a blood choke. Or it looked like it was more on the chin than around the neck, which... Um, can affect things, but Askren has a, a really good squeeze. He's got that wrestling background. I've seen videos of him online just breaking watermelons by squeezing them, which isn't easy to do. Um, he's definitely got some power there. So it, it, it's a tough one. It, it's an understandable decision Dean made in that moment. At the same time, should it have gone on? Probably. Lawler seemed fine when... Askren let go of the choke. Um, if the fight had continued, what would have happened? I don't know. Could Lawler have gotten out? Possibly. Does Askren have such a good squeeze it was inevitable that Lawler was going to go out anyway? Possibly. Um, it, it was kind of anticlimactic because it didn't have the finality you'd like to see in a, a submission win necessarily. Um, at the same time, I don't think Askren's getting the credit he deserves because he got his ass kicked for the first two minutes of that fight. Like it was a beating where a lot of refs would have stopped the fight. And then he managed to get his wits about him, get a takedown. He was grappling with Lawler and it was hanging in there. Um, it, it, it was impressive stuff. Showed some heart and he was in more danger than he's ever been and showed he could, you know, persevere and come back from it, which. No one really knew if he, if he had that intestinal fortitude, and he did. He, it, it was it was impressive. Um, and Askren now is kind of sort of in that mix for for a shot against Usman. He's been calling him Marty, and and there's some heat there. Um, so 
it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. They could run the Lawler Askren fight back. There's been some talk about Darren Till versus Askren. Um, Askren's doing a nice job of promoting himself, getting his name out there, and making people want to see him fight. He's um, his UFC run will be interesting if he can get a couple more wins. He can become a legit draw. I, I think he's charismatic. I think he knows how to talk trash. Um, and I, I, I think he can play the villain well. A lot of people won't like his wrestling-based style and will find him boring. Um, his striking is not good, but his grappling is so good that he can overcome it, um, overcome the lack of striking. Uh, what else did we have on this show? I'm, I'm going to kind of skip ahead here. Pedro Munoz defeated Cody Garbrandt by knockout. Um, this fight was crazy. Garbrandt was just throwing bombs with Munoz and Munoz clipped him and Garbrandt went out. This is three straight knockout losses for, um, Garbrandt. Not good for him. Former champ. Um, just crazy how he's fighting. He just goes in there and starts throwing right hands. And then he, it's like whoever gets clipped with the right hand first loses. And that's happened to Garbrandt the last three times. Not, um, the best way to further your career on the prelims. Zabit. Magomed Sharapov, ZM Punk defeated Jeremy Stevens by unanimous decision, 29-28 on all three cards. Um, ZM Punk here won uh, the first two, lost the third. Uh, competitive fight, not the most exciting thing. Um, Magomed Sharapov was never really in any danger against Stevens, who's a real veteran. I think this was his 30th UFC fight. Um I think there's only two other guys who had 30 fights in UFC history. It might be like Jim Miller and Michael Bisbing, I think. But um, a good win for Zabit, but nothing um, that would necessarily jump him to the front of the line at featherweight. He, he still needs another win or two to get a title shot. Uh, at light heavyweight, we had Jeremy Walker defeating Misha Serkinov by TKO. This was a flying knee and punches at 36 seconds of the first. Serkinov's a real guy at light heavyweight. Has been in the UFC for a while and has wins over good guys. Um, I think he was coming off a win over Patrick Cummins. And Johnny Walker threw one strike. It was a flying knee. Knocked Serkinov down. Landed those crazy punches where he raises his fist like literally up to the ceiling, just drops these crazy hammer fists, and it was over. Uh, after the fight, Johnny Walker went to do the worm and separated his shoulder. He's going to need four weeks off from training for that. Um, it's pretty amazing that the most damage he's taken in the cage is from <laughs> doing the worm in his post-fight celebration. Um, he's got some charisma. I mean, he's an interesting guy. Um, tall, lanky, super powerful, um, and he can finish fights, man. Um, I don't want to say it's reminiscent to John Jones early in his career, but Johnny Walker is, he's got an unpredictable style. He's wild in the cage and he's finishing fights. It's like you get one more decent win and He's in the mix. Uh, there's been talk of him fighting Gustafson next. I think that's probably a step up too quickly. Um, I think Gus would pose a lot of problems to Walker, just his striking alone and his length. I, I don't think that's a good matchup. I think it's more... Um, I, I wouldn't like Walker in that fight, and I think it could derail his 
hype train. Um, I'd rather see him fight somebody like Dominic Reyes, another guy who's undefeated in the UFC, athletic, um, but not Gus. Gus has too much experience, too much length. It, it just it doesn't make sense at this point. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him kind of slow build Johnny Walker a little more. Walker is only, let's see, 26. They got some time. Um, I also find it amazing that his name is Johnny Walker and he's from Brazil. Why is this man named after Scotch? Uh, I, uh, I was also going to work in the joke, Johnny Walker blew the doors off Misha Serkinov. Because Johnny Walker blew. It's all different colors if you're not a Scotch fan, a blended Scotch fan. Johnny Walker red, there's black, there's green. Blue's the high, the high end. Expensive stuff. Uh, also on the prelims, Diego Sanchez defeated Mickey Gall by TKO at 413 of the second. Um, I was surprised Diego won this fight. I, I thought this was Gall's fight to win. Diego has looked um, shot for about a decade. This is his first finish since 2008. It's been 11 years since Diego Sanchez finished somebody in the octagon. Uh, and it was Mickey Gall. Um, tough loss for Gall. I don't know where he goes from here. Um, this was at welterweight, too. It's like Diego has fought at 145 in the last couple of years. Um, now he's fighting at 170. Defeated Mickey Gall. Gall claimed he had trouble cutting weight and that he passed out, fainted um, while cutting weight. So that, that could have been a factor. Um, Gall also bit Diego during the fight. Diego had a big bite mark on his chest where Gall bit him. Uh, that's a major no-no in the world of MMA. I know it's supposed to be minimal rules and stuff, but biting your opponent is against the rules and considered pretty dirty and one of the lower things you can do in MMA. So, uh, tough loss for Gall. Good win for Diego. He's going to live to fight probably at least a few more times now. He's 37 and is, let's see, 29 and 11 overall. He's got 40 fights, two wins in a row against uh, Mickey Gall and Craig White. In the UFC, he is uh, 18 and 11. Um I mean, he beat, think about this, he beat Nick Diaz in 2005. And he's still around now. Nick hasn't fought in five years or one in seven, you know? Like, that's amazing. He beat Kenny Florian, Kenny Florian to win the tough one in April of 05. Debuted in the MMA in 2002. And here he is in 2019 at 37 years old, beating Mickey Gall, who's, you know, not a world beater, but a, a decent fighter. Um, it's just amazing um, that Diego's still going. Um, he always has fun fights. He's entertaining. He's a weirdo. Um, shout out to uh, Diego, the nightmare, sometimes the dream, Sanchez who's fought middleweight, welterweight, lightweight, and featherweight in the UFC. Unbelievable. un believable Remember when he ate the steak tartare? One time he blamed a loss 
on eating steak tartare and getting food poisoning. That was a good one. Uh, prelims on Fight Pass, no one cares. Pollyanna Viana lost by split decision. That was the woman who beat up the mugger in Brazil. Fight of the night went to Munoz versus Garbrandt, and performances went to Johnny Walker and Diego Sanchez. Good for Diego. Got an extra 50K. Um, what did Diego get paid for this? Huh. Doesn't listen. Don't see his pay. All right. Anyway, uh, that was UFC 235 this past weekend. In other MMA news, we have uh, an interesting doping case. Uh, John Jones, prior to the Anthony Smith fight, popped twice for uh, Turinabal. It's still pulsing through his body, apparently. Um, and as we know, USADA says that's okay because he tested it's such trace amounts it couldn't possibly affect his performance. And the levels are so low, it doesn't show any signs of new ingestion. Is that possible? Yes. Does it sound like horseshit, though? Yes. Um, do I buy it? No. Um, but now, there's a second fighter cleared by USADA uh, named Muslim 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 Salakoff. Uh, he apparently is having Turinabal issues as well. He will not receive sanction from USADA despite multiple drug test results coming back positive for the long-term metabolite of the banned steroid Turinabol. Uh, Salkov is eligible to compete again in the UFC immediately. Uh, he first tested positive stemming from an out-of-competition sample collected June 7th. Salkov, a Russia native, was provisionally suspended by USADA in the UFC when the result came back. Um, since then, Salakov has been tested six times. Two of those have come back with trace amounts of the long-term metabolite DHCMT, while four returned negative. All of the adverse findings have come back under 10 picograms per milliliter, and no parent compound, parent compound short and medium-term metabolites have been found. So... This is going to become more common, it sounds like. Like, you're going to be able to have Turinabal in your system and fight with Turinabal in your system. Um, which sounds like an unfair advantage to me. Um, it was probably banned for a reason, probably because it made you stronger and faster than your opponent. And now they're saying it can be in your system for years. John Jones is coming up to seven years. Now we've got another guy with the same situation. I don't know. What's the point of drug testing if you fail the tests? And you get to keep fighting. <laughs> it's just it's ridiculous. If you, like, just simplify it. You're going through all this work. You're waking guys up at 6 a.m. Asking them for their piss and blood. You're making them fill out whereabouts forms where they are 24 hours a day so you can come test them anywhere in the world. You're testing fighters in Brazil, fighters in China, uh, Mexico, all over the world, Ireland, Dagestan, and you're going around collecting this stuff. Then they test positive, 
and they still get to fight. Like, I get the tainted supplement thing. You fail the test, you get suspended. But when you come back, you test clean and you can fight. But now you can fight with Turinabal in your system. And there there seems to be, like, no real threshold of how much you can have. I mean, this guy, supposedly, Salikov, has under 10 picograms. I think Jones was up to, like, 60 at one point. Like, what? What? at what point is it performance enhancing? No one knows. It, it's... It's crazy, um, and it's inconsistent, and no one really knows what the rules are. What if Salikov comes in and tests at, at 100 picograms? Does that mean he re-ingested Turinabal? What does that mean? How much can it fluctuate? We, nobody knows. So it's just baffling. I get maybe the science is changing, but for fighters, it's going to be confusing as hell. And why does this guy get to have a performance-sensing drug in his system when he fights me and I don't? Um, it, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't feel right. Um, I, I, I'm skeptical about Turinabal. It's 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 weird, and the fact that it's John Jones makes it even sketchier. But now now there's another guy in the same boat as Jones, so uh, there's probably going to be more. Another guy who uh, has had PED issues in the past has come out of retirement. That's Vitor Belfort. He has signed with One Championship, no longer One FC, now One Championship. Um, Belfort signed a contract to fight for the Singapore-based promotion Thursday. He's expected to be introduced at a One Media Day in Las Vegas. Um, Belfort's been around forever. He fought at UFC 12. You thought Diego has been fighting a long time. He fought at UFC 12. He made his pro debut in 1996. I was a sophomore in high school. Sophomore? Yeah. Sophomore in high school in 1996. This is called Matt's Middle-Aged Mixed Martial Arts Show. I'm middle-aged now. Vitor Belfort should not be fighting anywhere. He's old. He's washed up. It'll be very interesting to see how Vitor looks because it's going to raise some red flags if Vitor looks like the old Vitor. Um, He has said he wants to fight Roy Jones. I'm not sure if that's in an MMA fight or in a boxing match, if it would happen in one or what that means. But Roy Jones said if he could get six weeks training, he'd be happy to fight Vitor. Uh, again, I'm not sure what sport that is in, if it's boxing or MMA or how that would all pan out, but, uh, yeah, I guess we're going to get to see Vitor fight again. Um, doesn't interest me. I was never a big Vitor fan in general and seeing him come back after how he looked the last couple of years does literally nothing for me. Um, he's probably going to be fighting... 
lower level guys in one, obviously. Um, no idea if he'll be fighting at 185, 205, 225. Probably we're going to be able to tell what Vitor is up to pretty quick just based on what weight class he's in. Um, his late run in the UFC since 2015, not the best. He went, let's see, four, two, four, and one. Lost to Weidman, lost to Jacare, lost to Musasi, uh, lost to Machida. Uh, I mean, he also got knocked out by Gastelum, but that was overturned because Gastelum tested positive for weed, um, which is a different story. But, uh, yeah, he also got knocked out by Machida with that front kick, brutal knockout. Belfort retires in Brazil back in May of 2018, and now he's back a year later fighting in, you know, Singapore, Japan, China, wherever they, they book him in Asia. But um, not something I'm looking forward to. Uh, a guy who has made his retirement even more official is GSP. We talked about him retiring last week. He has officially left the USADA drug testing pool so if he ever wanted to come back, in theory, he would have to get back into the pool for six months before he fought again. Um, this is a sign that GSP is definitely serious about his retirement. Um, he has provided the UFC with written notice that he is retired. Um, MMA fighting confirmed Tuesday with UFC Vice President of Athlete Health and Performance Jeff Nowitzki. Um So yeah, we're not going to see GSP fight again, probably ever, or for the very least, he needs to get back in that USADA testing pool. So even like, say something came up with Connor or Khabib, one of them, you know, we're going to be in a fight and his opponent got injured and GSP happened to be in shape and could fight one of them on relatively short notice, a couple months notice, let's say. He can't do it. I'm sure there's some provision in the paperwork where they could find a way around it, which is lame, but whatever. Um, he would have to be tested for six months before he could fight. So it doesn't look good for, for GSP to ever get back in the UFC. It's possible, but I doubt it. Um, another guy who retired is... Mirko Krokop of Pride fame uh, and UFC and Bellator now as well, but most people will remember Krokop from his days in Pride. Um, he announced his retirement on Croatian television on Friday. Um, Krokop said he suffered a stroke following his unanimous decision win over Roy Nelson at Bellator 216, and as a result has been advised by his doctors to never fight again. I was very lucky. I must not take punches to the head ever again. Um, I had bleeding in the brain. Uh, I came out of the hospital today, and that's why I wanted to come here to see people feeling good. I had an unbelievable luck in the accident. He said the stroke did not come as a result of his recent fight against Nelson, but rather a neck issue that had been bothering him for several months. Krokop said the stroke will not be life-threatening as long as he never fights again. I will never enter the ring again, he said. I cannot let someone hit me. Uh, Krokop's 44 anyway. 
and there's another guy who's been fighting forever. Uh, I mean, Krokop's a couple years older than Vitor. Um, let's see. Let's look at Krokop's career. He, um, I mean, <laughs> one of the reasons I do the show about MMA is because I've been watching it a long time. Like, I saw the first UFC, like, on pay-per-view uh, in 93. That's when I started... Right around the time I started reading Pro Wrestling Torch, and they were writing about the show before it happened, so I, I got it on, on pay-per-view and watched it. I was probably 14, 15 at the time, and have been pretty much watching ever since. And I, I have the first set of Pride DVDs. It's um, one of those that like kind of folds open. It's not cardboard, but like the, the paper thing with the DVDs inside. Um nobody even buys dvds anymore but uh long story is krokop's been a long, around a long time as have i he made his mma debut in 2001 august 19th 2001 so yeah he's been around a while he made his kickboxing his k1 grand prix kickboxing debut in 1996 with a win over jerome LeBanner. Krokop's old. I'm not, I'm not surprised he's having head trauma, neck issues. Um, shouldn't be kickboxing and doing MMA that long. MMA, he's 38, 11, and 2, so over 50 fights. And kickboxing, he's got like 30. Yeah, but this is incomplete. This isn't all his kickboxing fights. But you know, over 80 top-level MMA and kickboxing matches, you're going to have some head issues and brain trauma. Um, so I, I'm glad he, he got out before any worse, more serious damage was done. Um, but Krokop's the kind of guy that just keeps coming back. I, get, I would not be surprised at all if he got a second opinion and was like, ah, oh, another doctor told me I was fine, I'm back. That would not be a shocker at all, knowing Krokop. Uh, one more fighter who won't be fighting for a while is Paige Van Zandt. She broke her arm again. Um, this was a second fracture. Uh, it looked pretty nasty. She posted a picture on, I don't know what this is, uh, Twitter maybe? Looks like Twitter. And her arm is... Um, got a big bulge coming out of it that does not look natural at all so she's going to be on the shelf indefinitely uh it looks broken it does not look good uh she said she fractured it again um i'm not sure if she did it during training or how that happened but this is the second time she's had that that same arm injury so it's not a good a good sign uh for any fighter and then coming up this weekend, uh, we do have a UFC card, no Bellator this weekend, but we do have a fight night on ESPN+. Plus. This one is coming from Wichita, Kansas at the Interest Bank Arena on March 9th, which is a Saturday. It's got to be Saturday. Let's see. March 9th is a Saturday, yeah, Saturday night. Uh, in the main event, we have Derek Lewis versus Junior Dos Santos on ESPN+. Plus. So you've got to have 
the ESPN Plus app to watch this or find a way to illegally stream it. It's five bucks a month. Just, I mean, get ESPN Plus. What the hell? Um, anyway, <laughs> in the main event, uh, it's a heavyweight fight with Lewis and JDS. Um, Lewis is coming off the loss to Cormier, which was not pretty. And then JDS, he's got a couple wins, I believe. Yeah, Blagoy Ivanov and Taituavasa. So two straight wins for JDS. Um, to me, Junior's kind of shot since the Kane fights. He's not what he used to be. Um, he's not as aggressive. He's working the jab, working from the outside, um, usually trying to outpoint his opponents. And... Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis. He, he's not a skilled guy, but he's got a lot of heart and he hits hard. Um, if he can hit JDS, JDS will go down. Um, the question is, does JDS still have the quickness and the ability to kind of jab and outwork Lewis, who gets gassed almost every fight? Um, and I kind of think he does. If I had to guess, JDS just kind of outpoints Lewis here and gets the decision win and just kind of keeps moving. And uh, Lewis will probably be unable to hit that big shot. Um, it's my hunch. I would love to see Derek Lewis win this fight and stay relevant at heavyweight. He's one of my top five favorite fighters. I think he's hilarious. I want to see his post-match speech. Um I, 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 I'd like to see Lewis win this fight. I find him entertaining. Um, but I think JDS is probably the more well-rounded, more athletic guy here. So we'll see what happens. The rest of this card is depressing. Lacking name value. This might be one of those shows where... The fights are really good, and people are like, oh, you should have seen that card. But based on name value, whew, this undercard's weak. The semi-main event is Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos versus Curtis Melender at welterweight. We also have Tim Means versus Nico Price. Nico Price had a cool choke one time, I remember. I like that Tim Means nicknames the Dirty Bird. Uh, Blagoy Ivana versus Ben Rothwell. This might be Rothwell's first fight back since he uh, got suspended for roids again. Let's see. Let's see. Ben Rothwell has not fought since 2016 when he lost to JDS. So, yeah, he popped for something. Um, he was scheduled for a fight against Verdun, but Rothwell pulled out, citing a knee injury. The bout with Verdun was rescheduled and expected to take place on May 13, 2017. However, the bout was canceled due to Rothwell failing a drug test. It was announced that Rothwell accepted a two-year suspension from USADA. Huh. I don't remember what he tested positive for. I remember him failing a test. I, I think that's his second failure in the UFC. Um, let's find out. Rothwell tested positive for elevated testosterone levels in 2013 after a fight with Brandon Vera. He was suspended for nine months by the UFC, despite Wisconsin Commission only issuing him an administrative warning. So yeah, Rothwell uh, cheats. 
takes drugs to win. Uh, we've also got Banal Dariush versus Drew Dober at lightweight. Tim Bosch at middleweight still around versus Omari Akhmedov, who I have no idea who that is. Omari Akhmedov. That's awesome. I love things like this. Omari Akhmedov is, get this, 5-3-1 and one in the UFC. He's fought nine times in the UFC, and I have no idea who he is. None. And I watch almost every show. I watch most of every show is the best way to put it. Wow. He used to fight at welterweight, I guess. He's moved back up to middleweight. He's always fighting guys without much much name value. Probably the biggest guy he fought was Gunnar Nelson, and he lost by uh, guillotine choke to him. Um, yeah, that's funny. Okay, and then ESPN Plus, Marion Renault versus Yana Kunitskaya. Matt Schnell's fighting Louis Smoka. Matt Schnell from uh, the reality show Caged on MTV way back when. Um, Smoka just got back into the UFC after a losing streak. But the, yeah, not a lot of name value on the show at all uh, on ESPN+. Plus. This is the, their fourth show on ESPN+. Plus. But you got the main event. The main event's good. I like Derek Lewis. JDS is used to be fun to watch. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, in other news, uh, New York Times article headline reads, and I know we, we've been drilling on performance-enhancing drugs this this episode of the MMA MMA show, but this one caught my eye in the New York Times. Top bridge player suspended under anti-doping rules. I'll be the first to admit, I don't know much about bridge. I know... Now, this is going to sound sexist and ageist, and I apologize for that. I, I That is not part of my nature. I try to judge people as individuals, not as groups based on age or gender or whatever race, orientation, whatever. Try and judge everyone as themselves, you know? You could be any race and be a jerk. But anyway, what I know of Bridge, it's a card game. It's usually played by elderly women. Don't at me. I don't want to take any heat for this. That's just what I've seen worked in the restaurant business for over two decades and I've only ever seen elderly women play bridge they like to come in for lunch and play bridge for hours they like to sit at square tables so they can't see each other's cards I have no idea how bridge works I've never seen anyone under 60 play I've never seen a man play that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Probably does. There's exceptions to every rule. I'm well aware. But from my experiences over the last 20 plus years is it's usually played by elderly women. 
I've never really asked them if they considered taking, you know, testosterone replacement therapy or Turinabol or any kind of drug to help them play better. But apparently this is a thing. The top bridge player in the world is Norwegian born and he's male. This is a man who plays bridge and he looks to be in his 40s. So that's interesting in and of itself. The best bridge player in the world is in his 40s and a man, but his name is Gear Helgemo. Um, and he's been disciplined for failing a mandatory drug test. Uh, last month, the World Bridge Federation suspended Mr. Helgemo after a random test found the presence of synthetic testosterone and clomiphene, a medication typically used to treat infertility in women that can also increase testosterone levels in men. Clomiphene is the same thing that John Jones and Brock Lesnar tested positive for before UFC 200. There's a guy playing bridge on the same PDs as Brock Lesnar and John Jones. Mr. Helgemo, a professional player who represents Monaco at tournaments, will not be allowed to participate in a bridge competition until November. Unlike a typical doping scandal, the substances found in Mr. Helgemo's urine were not meant to enhance his performance, his lawyer said. He didn't have a terribly good understanding as to how the drugs got into his system. His lawyer said that Mr. Helgemo asked for the lab to recheck his results after they came back from a test taken at a championship in Orlando. They came back unchanged. So this guy got his B sample tested. Like, he didn't believe the results. Or, it's like, you know what, I know I took this stuff, but let's get the other one checked just in case. Maybe it'll pass. Nope, didn't pass, buddy. Could there be anything more embarrassing than taking steroids to play bridge? Like, I, I'm a fan of if you're going to do something, do it right. Like, I, I don't think fighters should be taking steroids. I get why they do. There's a lot of money on the line. They want to be competitive. Other guys are cheating. I get it. Would I do it? No. Do I think people who do it suck? Yes. Don't cheat. Just play by the rules. Do it the right way. Simple enough. But this guy's doing it to play bridge. Literally, you hold cards in your hand. And then I don't really know what you do because I've never played bridge. But like you put the cards on the table. You just sit there. Why in God's name are you taking the same stuff that Brock Lesnar does? Um, eventually... <laughs> Helgemo's lawyer told the Federation that he had been trying to control his weight and had been taking supplements with unknown ingredients given to him by a friend who was a bodybuilder. So he's using the friend gave me some pills excuse, um, which is always a classic, you know, a dick pills, whatever. Uh, so good. Um, this guy, Helgemo, is also in prison currently for tax fraud which was unrelated to his suspension. So not only does he use steroids to play bridge, he also doesn't pay his taxes off the winnings he gets from playing bridge. 
Bridge is not an arduous sport where you need steroids, buddy. Also, pay your taxes. What the hell? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And in other steroid news, uh, Olympics. Uh, Olympians use steroids. Don't know if everyone knows that. Uh, but usually, like, the best athletes in the world are doing something uh, to compete with the other best athletes in the world who are on steroids. But uh, German and Austrian officials conducted a doping raid at the Nordic Skiing World Championships last week in Seafield, Austria. Five skiers and four other people were arrested at the championships, while German authorities claim they also arrested the alleged ringleader in Erfurt, Germany. Two pro cyclists already admitted to blood doping last week, but nobody will likely be as embarrassed as the man caught on camera receiving a transfusion. The man who was caught red-armed is Austrian Max Hawk, a veteran of the Sochi and Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. A brief video obtained by Norwegian network NRK shows Hockey unsure of what to do, sitting on a chair while police mill around. Um, so essentially, these German and Austrian officials raid this building. And when they walk in, there's a skier with a needle in his arm. Basically, either getting a blood transfusion or injecting some sort of PED. Like, there's pictures of this all over the place. Uh, there's video of it. Um, it's unbelievable. Like, dude, you didn't hear these guys coming? Like, clean up your shit and put it away. He actually let them take this picture of him. There's video of him with the needle dangling out of his arm. And tubes and blood and... It's like, dude, somebody's banging on the door outside. They're saying, let us in where the whatever PED police were coming in. He just sits there, keeps taking his drugs. What the hell? Clean up after yourself. It's like my kids leaving their pajamas on the floor when they go to school. Just pick up a little bit, you know? And finally, uh, a restaurant-related story, which I found baffling. Um, Howard Matthew Webb, 31, is accused of placing his testicles in a salsa container that was then delivered to a low-tipping customer last month. Maryville police arrested Webb on Friday in a charge of adulteration of food, liquids, or pharmaceuticals, a Class C felony. Uh, the woman who received the salsa had ordered the food January 12th from a local Mexican restaurant through Dinner Delivered, an online food delivery service. Webb was a passenger in a vehicle driven by an independent contractor who worked for Dinner Delivered. General Manager Aaliyah Wilson told the Daily Times. Uh, after the pair picked up the food from the restaurant, they made a vid video according to an arrest warrant. Webb produced a video showing Webb placing his testicles in a salsa container and the drivers heard laughing and stating, this is what you get when you give an 89% tip for an almost 30-minute drive. Webb is heard saying, oh, oh, it feels good. The 14-second clip made the rounds on Facebook, raking up hundreds of shares. Uh, police opened an investigation. Um, the driver has not been charged, but the investigation is ongoing. Um, okay. 
don't mess with people's food ever it, it, it's messed up uh if it falls on the floor you know throw it out if they're a bad tipper it's okay some people are bad tippers they're jerks it doesn't mean you have to be a jerk be the good guy be the better person be the bigger person don't put your balls in the mild salsa also what if it was hot salsa and you put your balls in it I don't think that's going to feel good. The guy claims it felt good, but I can't imagine. Ugh. Spicy salsa? Ugh. Sounds like it would sting, I think. Then you got to clean your balls. Go back to work. Like, do you just use a napkin? Then your balls are all sticky all day. Like, this just doesn't make sense to me. This guy clearly was not thinking. Uh, not only that. But what he did is kind of crappy to do to another human being to begin with. I am not a fan of this gentleman. If I worked with him at my establishment, I would do everything in my power to make sure he no longer worked there. I'm presuming that's what this restaurant will do as well. Um, keep your balls out of people's food. On that note, I appreciate you listening to Matt's Mixed Martial Arts Show, the MMA MMA show, Matt's Middle Age Martial Arts show. Easy for me to say. Finishing strong here. Uh, either way, I appreciate it. You can check the show out on Instagram, MMA, MMA show. There's a Twitter account, MMA, MMA show one. Uh, you can listen to the show pretty much anywhere Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, um, you name it. I appreciate the time and uh, hope to have you back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.